Who's ready to play Guess That Sound? Isolation Edition. Here is your first sound. Your second sound is... Here is your third sound. If you guessed washing dishes, sauteing food, and sweeping, then you are very likely doing your own housework during this pandemic. Yes, clap yourselves. All right, game over. Time to start the show. I'm your host, the Rhythm Writer. This is episode five of For Posterity. In these COVID-19 days, we are hearing more and more about how the pandemic is unevenly impacting women. Women in the roles of caretakers and nurses are being exposed to the coronavirus at alarming rates. And women in the service sector, who are often your cashiers at the supermarkets and pharmacies that remain open during this time of quarantine, they are also on the front lines, often unmasked and ungloved as they try to keep their jobs and their national economies afloat. And we are certainly hearing about the return of housework for women who were once outsourcing home chores to a labor force of women called cleaning ladies. This episode pays respect to the women doing the work. I'll bring forth my illustrious guest in a moment. I just need to pay some proper, proper dues first. Housework is nothing new to the Caribbean woman. For that matter, housework is nothing new to the Caribbean migrant woman either. As women's liberation movements unfolded in the 1970s and 1980s, more and more women left behind their prior unpaid careers of full-time homemakers and entered the paid labor force. As more and more women went to university to pursue undergraduate and graduate degrees, they delayed marriage, delayed having children, and went into the paid workforce. As more and more women pursued professional development outside of the home, paid opportunities developed for non-familial women to be hired to take up the role of completing the housework and, for that matter, the childcare as well. In the Caribbean, housekeepers, housekeepers who commute to a home daily or live in with the family for whom they care, are an invaluable part of women's liberation. It's ironic though, right? In order for some women to be liberated to work outside of the house, other women have to be hired to do their work. I think of this labor, and I think of the housework being done. No doubt, I recognize my own privilege in this as well. Still, I think about all of this, and I think how ironic, how bizarre, how maddening, that if a 21st century woman, 
a 21st century wife with some economic privilege wants to work outside of her home, she has to hire a woman to care for the housework that she did not. Isn't it ironic that a houseworker takes on the responsibilities that would traditionally be the unpaid work of a wife? Save in most instances, I suppose, for the sexual aspect. And what happens for those women who must work to care for their families, but have not enough economic or familial resources to secure care for their own children? And what about the women who have no economic choice but to take up housework caring for another woman's children and home at the expense of caring for her own? Ah, boy, it seems that liberation is a complicated reality, and I haven't even really touched on mom guilt. It's too heavy. It's, it's all too heavy. As I said at the start, housework is nothing new to the Caribbean woman. Nor is housework anything new to the Caribbean woman who is a migrant to the borough of Brooklyn in New York City. This is a long-time reality. In fact, 100 years before Nicole Dennis Benn, the Jamaican author that is, before Nicole Dennis Benn's Patsy was published in 2019, Paula Marshall's father migrated from Barbados to Brooklyn, New York, in the year 1919. So, in a weird way, and maybe not so weird, reading Nicole Dennis Benn's Patsy reminds me of Marshall's 1983 reflective essay titled, From the Poets in the Kitchen. Poets in the Kitchen can be accessed for free online, and I encourage you to take a look at it, read it. It's certainly worth it. Amongst other things, it is an essay that comments on the complexities of being Caribbean women migrants who were hired to be and made their living as housekeepers for white folks in New York in the 30s and 40s. Marshall writes of how women like her mother, that is to say Caribbean women, would cover themselves up to go out to work in other people's homes, other people's kitchens, around other folks' children and husbands. Then they would shed those false identities and false tongues when they return home to their own kitchens. Safe in their own homes, Caribbean women would become poets, speaking in sing-song, Bayesian, Jamaican, Trinidadian tones and metaphors that Marshall, Paula Marshall, that is, found nothing short of beautiful. Paula Marshall's work and memory are fresh in my mind because this African-American, Bayesian writer, she passed away in 2019, just last year. Marshall's first novel was published in the year 1959 and was very much informed by her own life growing up in New York. From Brown Girls, Brownstones, to The Chosen Place, The Timeless People, which was published in the year 1969, to the 2009 text, Triangular Road, Marshall told remarkable stories of departures and diasporic returns to Africa and the search for a place to fully call home. While I did not ever meet or know Marshall personally, her writing provoked in me a deep curiosity about both belonging and time. She is survived by nine novels and various essays. 
May her work forever be read. This episode is a conversation with Jamaican writer Nicole Dennis-Ben. She is the multi-multi-multi-multi-award-winning author of two novels, Here Comes the Sun, which was published in the year 2016, and Patsy, that was published in 2019. In Patsy, Nicole Dennis-Ben tells the story of a Jamaican woman who feels alienated from herself, from her mother, her community, and even her own daughter. Patsy is also a story that demystifies the American dream as it explores life for a Jamaican woman who migrates to Brooklyn, New York in pursuit of happiness, of love. Patsy is a story that questions what inclusion and exclusion look like and, importantly, what they feel like in Jamaica. It is about Caribbean queerness. It is about the challenges and expectations of motherhood It's about economic dependence and the exploitation of black women's labor. In a word, though, it is about home. You know, that complicated place that we find ourselves running to or running from. So on a sunny Saturday afternoon, I sat down with Nicole Dennis-Ben in the heart of New Kingston to talk about life. She had returned home to Jamaica to do her first reading and book signing of her sophomore text, Patsy, at the Kingston Bookshop. Over my ginger tea and her Blue Mountain latte, Nicole and I, we chatted about the role migration played in shaping each of our identities. And we laughed and we wondered about this complicated question, where is home? Home, 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 home. just popped over to hang with me for a little bit, um, but you were taking in some events, some panels for the Jamaica right. Music Conference. Yes. So excellent. you excellent. care about music? Lo- well, talk yeah, of to course. me. So I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, my wife and I, we are consumers of music, mm-hmm. and that's, that to me means that not only do we, you know, we sit, we sit on YouTube and mm-hmm. look at Jamaican music, dance all reggae, but it's nice to also be here with yeah. the the people who are making that music and producing that music. Mm. And to me, I just feel more part of the culture, part right. of the community, uh, also as an artist, because yeah. they're not um, mutually exclusive. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, I'm a writer, but a musician is also an artist who, who I, you know, I'm listening to the producers talk about how they can better market their mm-hmm. work or package their work. Mm. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like that could have been very well been a, 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 a conference for me as well. Right, absolutely. Yeah, and even honing your mm. creativity and protecting it. Mm-hmm. You know, all those things were speaking to me as well. Right. So I think I was gaining more from this conference mm-hmm. for, for personal reasons, but right. also the fact that I was in a community, I was here in Jamaica mm-hmm. enjoying the music that I love. Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't seem that there's enough of those spaces here in Jamaica for writers, Mm-mm. right? And maybe not even for artists broadly, right? right? So we think about Jamaica and we definitely think about music. Right. But because we're so often thinking about the music scene as the art scene in Jamaica, mm-hmm. I think writers like you, writers like me, we have a hard time sometimes appreciating our written work as yes. art. 
Exactly. Right? Right. So how can that change? Um, what partnerships can there be maybe with right. the musicians or the music industry that could help us to also think of ourselves as creative. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Jamaica has so much to offer. Yeah. Not, and you're right. Not just music. Mm-hmm. We have our, our literature. I mean, poetry, um, fiction, which yeah. I do. And I mean, even nonfiction, course, memoirs as course, well. Right. You know, and growing up in the Caribbean, I felt like I was just that little girl who mm. was looking at, te- it was textbook based. Mm-hmm. Everything was about the textbook. And that's what all the bookshops carry. Exactly. The bookshops right. in Jamaica carry textbooks. Right. just a bookstore right. just now, it was mm-hmm. just textbook. Yeah. And um, I'm like, no, we need to actually change that, knowing that so many of our writers are coming from this small place, this small right. island, with so much stories. Right. Then they honor us, honor us as well mm-hmm. as artists mm-hmm. as well, doing the work, right. putting Jamaica on the map. And I feel like that's something that um, I would have loved mm-hmm. to happen. And I think pre, which we, you know, we're coming back for pre oh, yes. May. Oh yes, right. Oh, yes. That's that's a start. That's right. a really Absolutely. good start. No, yeah. pre is definitely going to help to 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 change some of that. And yeah, I mean, even at the University of the West Indies, we do offer several creative oh, writing workshops. Amazing. They're always well attended. I, love I mean, that. it's tell off. Listen, you know, because people have something to say. Everyone has some story to tell. Yes. Let me tell you this. Um, now, I hope I don't mix up or get it wrong as to who is attributed with this information, but I believe mm-hmm. it was Kwame Dawes who yeah. had pointed out that the shift away from literature in Jamaica mm-hmm. may be connected to the rise of dancehall. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that in the 90s, the kind of gap that happens, right? So we have all this writing, you know, Michelle Cliff, you know, we have all this writing that's happening in the 80s. Right. And then it kind of slows down at the same time that perhaps the storyteller takes up the microphone right right? so that you know so the stories that that the dancehall artists are telling right maybe that's why we kind of missed out on a segment of of some of the history or some of that storytelling i don't know i mean it's something to think about right that's a good point but Mm. also the reason i felt like it's not mutually exclusive right we have an oral tradition there we go right Mm -hmm. so even i mean there's some some of us hold a pen Mm. but then there are others of us who inhabit our great grandmothers our grandfather's spirit and energy and we speak it. Yeah. And I feel like dance all they're telling a story. Absolutely. Just like I'm telling a story, mm-hmm. my other colleagues are telling stories with our with our pens. Right. But if you hear us speak, if you hear us read, you kind of, um, especially using our dialect within dialogue, right. you hear it. You hear us say story time, you know, story, story, like what Miss New right, used to right, do. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. and mm-hmm. I feel like that a lot of us hone that. Yeah. But be it dance all, be it literature. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I love that. And right. that's why I love, it would have been a nice thing if the, there's a merging of the art some it's like a space of it for us to just come My together. My book is coming soon. Don't worry, guys. Oh yes! Listen, Isis, I am so <laughs> excited about that. So oh, that yeah. would be wonderful. Okay. I'm gonna hold you to that. No problem. I, I want to read that. Yes, I got you, girl. Yes, but it's a really exciting idea for sure. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking about again to the points that we were making in terms of whose work gets developed, but who's yeah. also has, has that kind of local appreciation, right? And then not just appreciation, but respect. Mm. Right, how there's ways that we respect the the written author, right? The the the, the scribal storyteller. Yes. We have a different kind of respect for them than we do for the oral, mm-hmm. right? The one who's right. telling it orally, especially the one who's telling that story orally over a written, right? Right. That we yes. think, oh, there's maybe something less in that, um, and maybe something more in the other, or mm-hmm. vice versa, depending yes. on the audience. Yes. So there's, I think, a lot to unpack with that. But I'm glad we had that moment. And then, again, maybe we can stay in the 90s. 
right? This mm-hmm. whole time period of the 90s because that's when you left Jamaica, right? Yeah, 99. Okay, in yeah. 99, the very tip right. of that, that Before decade. the millennium, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So if you left then, um, and this is maybe um, a selfishly born question Mm -hmm. um, because I left Jamaica in in the end of the 80s so it was 88 when I left oh right before Hurricane Gilbert it kicked me out so yeah my my birthday is actually right around the day it's the day before so I'm the 11th and then Gilbert was the 12th um, so it was my experience I know right because we are Virgo sisters exactly exactly. and so so yeah so that was a big you know a big storm yes. right, in my life in the sense that it shifted where I was going to be, yes. right? And and sometimes wow. I remember in junior high school mm. in the Bronx, I would think about, you know, if that hurricane didn't do what it did to my home, right. I would have still been in Jamaica. Yes. Who would my friends be? Mm. What school would I have gone to? And right. sometimes I would just kind of sit and wonder, what would my voice sound like? Yes. Right? All of these kinds of questions would come up for me. Um, and then the wow. other part that became interesting is that having returned to Jamaica to live yes. in 2016 and only visiting this place that I still called home between 88 and 2016, the return home to live was a different experience. Mm. So the selfishly born question I want to ask you is about your returns, right? Mm-hmm. All of the returns that you've done since 1999. Right. How have you seen Jamaica in those yes. experiences? And maybe you don't know, have to answer about every visit you've done since then, but maybe talk just about the one that you are on now and maybe mm-hmm. the most recent one because you're from Vineyard Town, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And that's in Kingston. Right. So you're from Vineyard Town, but then you have family outside of Vineyard Town right. as well. And do you even have family in Vineyard Town? Yeah. So talk to me. Yeah, so from Vineyard Town, family now, they're mm-hmm. now based in Portmore because we moved to Portmore a year before I left for wow. the United States. Okay. Yeah, mm. it was like a huge shift. My great-grandmother had died mm. and my mother decided that, you know, the house of Vineyard Town, I mean, she didn't own it. It was more like renting, right. like you know, a lot of uh, working class Jamaicans mm. do. And then the, the new house in Portmore was just like this box thing. Right. And you know, they were trying to get a lot of people from Lower Kingston into that area anyway. So she was one of those people who got that opportunity from National Housing Trust. Right, right. And that was our new home. So that's now where she's now living. Mm-hmm. And But my family, my extended family, they they stayed in St. Mary. Mm-hmm. That's where most of them are from. Right, right. And so for me, in terms of my return home into, from so you're not really, where now, are you returning to? I mean, maybe that's, I, mean, I hate to interrupt you, right, but right. the home oh, is gone. That is so Right? Vineyard Town it's is so not loaded. home anymore. So exactly. when you come back, you're coming back to an island right. and people, not it's a house. Loaded. You know what happened though? I'm wow. coming back to my house in Portmore. Okay, so you, That's you think, of it, to. Yeah, you so no, think of it as home. You do think of it as home. Exactly. Okay. It took a while because I only had one year to adjust to Portmore before mm-hmm. leaving for America. But when I come to visit, it was mommy's home in in in, in, sorry, in Portmore. So where mommy is, is home. Right, exactly. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so, but the thing is that it, mine is kind of complex because I came out as a lesbian mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, she'll say, you can't come home with, if you don't change. Right. So therefore, I didn't have anywhere to come back to because hmm. I couldn't come home unless if I said to her, I am a, a, a heterosexual woman. Right about to be married to a man or whatever it is mm-hmm. and that something that was something I couldn't do so what I ended up doing when I met my wife was you know she's American she mm-hmm. wanted to come back just to see Jamaica and know where her we spouse from, is yeah. from we came to the hotels hmm. so we came to Courtley you know we came to um, I think at the time it was Hilton before it burned down okay, yeah. right and then we um, I took her mistakenly to the north coast to this huge resort I won't say the name okay but I was so sh- distraught because a part of me was I didn't know this at the time but I was really heartbroken in that I was in Jamaica but I didn't feel like I had any ownership of it 
And that was also not only, yes, obviously being working class, but also there was something deeper. Because I was returning, like I said, I was returning mm. home, but it wasn't the home home like in my family home. Right. I was just a tourist mm. in my own country. Mm. And it didn't sit well with me. And then so when I saw people performing for the tourists and all these things I'm like I know you like you're somebody I could have gone to school with mm. you I could have seen you as my neighbor it could be my cousins they, they work in the hotel industry right, right. and so it didn't sit well with me so that was how Here Comes the Sun came about mm. but the snapshots just kept on happening where I, could, I was just ignoring it at first I was like you know I'm visiting home I'm visiting Jamaica I could actually take from it you know what I will but mm. I was deeply deeply I was deeply resentful of why I had to leave in the first place and in addition to that when I returned Mm -hmm. never feeling that I was being claimed Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. Um, not only my personal home with my family but also in general right and that was really I guess my writing was therapy for me because writing brought me back home Mm -hmm. you know it's interesting how it was my writing where you know I was invited back to like a calabash in 2016 it was my writing that invited me back to even do the we change that you know we met right. from there right. as well and then here now Kingston Bookshop mm-hmm. and so it's interesting how whom has seen my words my art is what now like has helped me to kind of feel accepted again mm-hmm. you know as this prodigal daughter mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so wow that's really a beautiful story right um, I mean a beautifully complex story mm-hmm. and And really, I mean, yes, you're saying that your words and your writing brought you back, but Mm -hmm. when anyone reads your work, you see that in your writing, it shows that you never left. Right, Right. That Jamaica was always just moving with you wherever it was. Yes. So it's it's really a very complex understanding of home, but I think that's Mm -hmm. how it is for most people, right? Right, yes. You leave one way, and you don't generally return in that same way. Exactly. Right? Life happens outside of that, 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 or during that time away. Yes. Um, and talking to some other people that I've met in, in New York or where have you, I, I, I find that we take some of this migration and, um, and return for mm-hmm. granted, and yeah. we don't always consider, number one, why people left, mm-hmm. but then number two, and I'm going to underline number two as, why people don't come back right and we make assumptions about why people don't come back that it's uh you know that they find a better place or they've overstayed a visa as in the case of your um your your patsy character Mm -hmm. but i was talking to someone recently and they were saying part of the reason they hadn't come back is because of the kind of community that they left Mm -hmm. right it was too dangerous to return yes and that they were not necessarily able to afford right and so this does speak to, to privilege but they weren't able to afford hotels yes. right where they could return and then stay in a safe space and they yes. wanted to but they couldn't and so that in a way the Airbnb market in Jamaica oh that's skyrocketing right, skyrocketing yes. now yeah and that's a huge deal now think about who can use it so right. think about how if you come from a, a let's say a, a, a more dangerous community right. you, you left and went abroad and you want to return and it might not be safe for you to return to that community yes you can stay in an Airbnb in an affordable right. space but you know and what return. too another thing to an army you brought up a really good point mm-hmm. because sometimes to the mentality that we left with because home mm-hmm. you know home is not the same place that you left no you know you 
we're still carrying this memory mm. of home with us and, and when we come back to the to home the real home we realize oh but where is this place right, like the confrontation with reality place. exactly yes, yes. so some of those individuals too um, could, could have been leaving those those same communities thinking oh it's, it's still bad bad because yeah. I had a, an incident um, just mm. now um, just a week ago mm. where I was telling somebody now in New York I really love going to M10 restaurant in Vineyard Town and I just love eating there and he's from um, like Waterhouse okay. area and he's like what Vineyard Town you eat a rest in a restaurant in Vineyard Town <laughs> I was like of course, I mean yeah. that was where I was born and raised. But right. at the same time, I would never have thought of an M10 in Vineyard Town exactly either, then. right? Mm-hmm. But it was me coming and experiencing the restaurant, experiencing it in my backyard mm-hmm. that I was able to say to him, "Yeah, there's a restaurant, a cool restaurant in right. Vineyard Town." And he's like, "He now has to go visit Jamaica again to, Just see, to see it that right. change." There's yeah. so many changes taking right. place, right? Exactly. On the roads, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not just the changes that are taking place for the tourist industry. Right. There's changes taking place here for people. You know, I think the 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 planning institute of Jamaica, I think their slogan is to make Jamaica mm. a place to live or a great place to live, oh, a better nice. place to live. Okay. Um, and raise families right. and work, right? To do all these livable, yes. happy, satisfying things by the year twenty thirty. That would be good. Can I we mean, do it? Also I think so. All right. I think so because okay. there is a um I mean, because one of the, my biggest, um, you know, I always say, you know, I was resentful for the reason why I had to leave. Because when I was in school, as I did lower six at St. Andrew High. And I felt like at the time, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel like I could have gotten the opportunities. Had I stayed in Jamaica, I don't even think I could have been a writer. I, could, mm. I don't think, at the time, I didn't think I could have risen above my working class status. One, I, you know, we were getting money from America. Daddy was sending money back home. So we were like barrel children. Right, right. But at the same time, you know, I felt like the work was completely hard mm. in terms of what you have to do to overachieve. You, you can't be an average student. Mm-hmm. You have to be an overachiever. Mm-hmm. And I was not one of those overachieving students right. who were getting like A pluses mm-hmm. and, you know, excellence. Um, you know, at Andrews, we had this, this um, certificate, this ceremony that awarded the brightest students right. these things. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I wasn't getting any of that. And so I was saying to myself, oh my God, if I reach the upper six, which I'm, I may never have gotten to upper six because I was put on academic probation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, but how can I get to UWE? Would I even have it in me to pass the A-level to get to UWE? Mm-hmm. And that, was, that, that future was looking so dim mm-hmm. at the time. In addition to that, coming out to myself as a lesbian and saying, oh my gosh, but can I survive in this country? Would I be graduating Andrews and then coming to work as a secretary? Right, um, right. I mean, seeing, looking around my neighborhood, looking around what my parents did coming and being them Mm -hmm. and that terrified me to the point where I I fell into this deep depression and I felt like what I needed at the time at that age I was 15 16 I I needed somebody to kind of I wouldn't say hold my hand because that kind of sounds kind of um, like I was a a crying baby yeah yeah I was crying but you needed support but I needed support Mm -hmm. and that was how that's what I feel like a lot of our youths need encouragement the encouragement to know that you can stay here you'll thrive Mm. it's gonna get better don't worry you know like some kind of um encouragement right right yeah and and I I think the creative industry is is a great place for people to understand that they're not less than right for being the person that they are exactly right right so this a plus brightest students you know and how you're defining brightest students right mm-hmm. it's those who get the 100s on a particular kind right. of test right because exactly. it's not all the tests that are going to matter in these kinds of ways but when we start 
spreading out the, the wealth of reward. Yes. And I mean that in terms it's of psychological true. support, like the wealth of reward of, of compliments, right. right? And I'm not talking physical, but I'm talking good job with that sentence, yes. right? Or you're thinking or creatively, right? right? All of it's these true. ways. But when we can spread out the wealth of how we can support the youth yeah. of Jamaica, right? then we have this capability yeah, to change. Yeah, because right? I'm mean, like, applauding the arts. You know, we were still raised, given that, given um, the working class aspect of it, I was raised to be the doctor of the family, mm-hmm. you know, because you, the goal was to pull your family up from where they right. are to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And my mother and my father would literally drive me around Kingston. My father, when he visits Jamaica in his little rental car, mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, you're going to live there one day, wow. pointing to the houses on no Beverly pressure. Hills. No right. pressure at all. And I was like, oh my Just God. take us to Beverly Hills, Exactly. Please. And Whoa. so in my mind, I was like, where is my like, passion going to get get us to Beverly Hills because I was also saying to myself I I mean I didn't know any writers I didn't know any avenues how to get to where I'm right now Mm. but somehow I knew I didn't want to be a doctor Mm. but I was still pushing through and that was actually what the what it was before you know that whole um, pressure to overachieve in the sciences right. when the sciences weren't my passion. Mm. And so when I felt, when that happened where I, at Andrews House, I started failing things like organic chemistry. And yeah. I'm like, what's happening? I mean, I used to get A's in fifth form. Once I hit sixth form, I think my body, my energy, something just started dragging. Mm-hmm. Um, but somehow after moving to the United States, after my father said, all right, come live with me to see if you can still pursue that dream of medicine. Right, whose dream was that again? His. Okay, got it. Right, exactly. So I'm like, all right, move to America. So maybe you might, you know, feel a lot better going to the schools here yeah. and pursuing that dreams. Once I got there, there was that something happened which was really critical. So I got there. I was writing in my journals because you know I was, you know, scribbling my little stories and poetry. Yeah. And my stepmother found it. Uh-oh. And she saw that I was into women. Mm-hmm. She she literally read it, and I was crushed. And I ripped my journal out, dumped it in the garbage. She told my father, and I said, you know, um, no, she's she's lying. She's not telling the truth. Right. But somehow he gave me the grace and said, okay, you can still stay here. You can still study. And I kind of felt I owed him something. Like mm. I owed him the fact that he's found out that his daughter is a lesbian, even right. though I, I never owned up to it. I felt I had to now over um, extend myself to now say, you know what, I need to overcompensate to meet his desire right. to, to see a good daughter. So that's why I kept on in the sciences, mm. even at, in um, undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, st- still studying my biology, my chemistry, and yeah, I was magically able to get the good grades right. because somehow my guilt propelled me mm. forward. Did he but express disappointment? He would say he said something like, "If any of my children are gay, I'm gonna kill them and kill myself." Okay, that that, that is was a clear expression. No, that was something that, that, that I clear expression. Right, okay. I did not want to experience that at all. Okay. So I hid that really yeah. well afterwards. I did everything I should have. He wanted me to do as a daughter, mm-hmm. including you know I graduated, went to medic, um, not medical school because I did my masters in public health right. first mm-hmm. with the intention of going to medical school because usually when you do when you do an MPH, mm-hmm. it's it's an easier right. entry. Right. By that point, I was still exhausted. I was still saying to myself, I was still scribbling poetry privately. I was still giving readings at little open mics where mm-hmm. I kind of came alive at the open mics. And so thank goodness for that era of right. spoken word. You found your word. people and you found support. Exactly, right. And mm-hmm. so that push kind of allowed me to know that, well, if this doesn't work out, at least I could actually do something else right. in that you know, but, but still, this whole starving artist kind of loomed over my head. Like, right. how would my rent get paid? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm now in America as this immigrant. 
the expectation was to still be better than our parents right. not be doing what he does and we have no models for how to do it in the creative space exactly mm-hmm. so, so what exact, would you do right so I was trapped in that box mm-hmm. until of course when I started working at Columbia doing research I was doing HIV research and that's where I met Emma my, mm-hmm. my wife and she's like girl have you never heard of an MFA program right. And I was like, no, I've never heard of a Master's of Fine Arts. I've never heard right, of it. Right, right. You know, so um, it was me researching those programs, coming to find out that there are pe- places for people like me to thrive, mm-hmm. to end up teaching writing, which is how we get our bills paid. Because mm-hmm. not every book deal is going to pay right, the rent. Right, right. So that did, was did everyone hear to... that that's listening in right, the, on exactly, her? Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Because I think that is a very, very important part yeah. to, to note, right? That, that you can be a writer and you right. should be a writer, but... It isn't necessarily yet one of those spaces where everyone that writes a book is making a million dollars per text. Right. You're going to have something to fall back on. Publishing is a messy space. It is very messy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cold as well and very racist. Mm -hmm. But that's another story. That's another story. Right, right, right. But for me, I I I know I did not want to fall back on the sciences because that's something that... People, if I had patients now, they would know I do not want to be here. Mm. They could probably feel my energy. Yeah. So for me, my fallback was lecturing, doing creative writing workshops at universities and writing on the side. Well, not on the side, mainly writing, but I feel like teaching writing is like writing itself. Mm. So I knew I wanted to still be in that space, and that's why it was important for me to still have that degree at least. Right, right. And it, it worked out where mm. now I'm teaching and I'm writing and I'm, I'm re- I feel like I'm in a space now where I can actually say, okay, I'm making ends meet. Yeah. At the same time, I wish there could be more, but mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. there is, you know... But are you... Oh, gosh. Am I allowed to ask you this question? Are you happy? Absolutely. <laughs> are you happy, Nicole? Yes. I Yes. I would say yes. Okay. I am very happy. Very grateful. Yeah. Definitely. I still think the industry needs to do more um, in terms of getting our stories out there. Um, but I, for somehow... Like, somehow, I can say I locked out mm. you know I was able to get in the door at some I don't know how I was able to get through that very narrow crack right. but I got in mm. but then you look around and the spaces that I exist in I'm like the only one right you know you, there's of course you have Marlon James you have um who else? Kai Miller. Kai Miller. Mm-hmm. But Kai Miller is more like a Euro. He's a Euro. Right, okay. In America, okay, the American publishing mm-hmm, space mm-hmm. is very, very few people of color. Right. And so you look around and you're like, oh, you know, there's Marlon. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, but, you know, who are the other people like coming up? And mm-hmm. so for me, it's important for me to now say, you know, let me encourage somebody else. Mm-hmm. Let me try to put a blurb on their book, you know, yeah. so that, you know, they could like say, okay, right. this is somebody we, we need to read. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm happy personally in terms right. of like, where I am. But in terms of where the industry is right now, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like more can be done. Right. So you're focusing some of your energies in, in that regard. Right. That's really yeah. nice. Yeah. Now, another question, again, not sure what, what your answer might be, but that's mm-hmm. why you have conversations with people, is what have you been able to do with some of that guilty feeling that you mm-hmm. were feeling right before you left Jamaica, when you were in your father's home mm-hmm. in the U.S.? And that ball of guilt, let's call it a mm-hmm. ball of guilt that you were holding that, that motivated you through a degree you didn't want. Right, right. right. What, yes. Where have you placed that ball? Do you put it on a shelf and look at it mm-hmm. and say, I'm not going to talk to that guilt today? Mm-hmm. Have, has it dissolved? Has it gone right. into the books? Ooh, what, what did you do? It went into the books. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, 
that that's where it went because yeah. I have a tendency to write like my writing is how I, I'm able to answer questions how I'm able to deal with things that's going on with me mm-hmm. no my most of my writing is not autobiographical it's fiction but my majority of the emotions that maybe the reader is feeling is also me right, right. so for example uh, with Margot I was I connected to Margot so much because Margot was able to embody that anger that I felt like right. how can I exist on this island and get my pie too even if I don't have the last name mm. I don't have the you know the educational background mm-hmm. all these things how can that happen and I feel like Margot was speak like how I was able to speak mm-hmm. and Dolores as well you know right, nobody right. loves a black girl but not even herself mm. I dealt with that for many many years yeah. like I didn't lo- I had a lot of self loathing mm-hmm. you know I'm coming off age, being dark-skinned. So Delores spoke to that, and then Tandy was mostly like the surface. Like, oh, she's gonna like rub her skin because mm-hmm. that's how, in her mind, in her 15-year-old mind, that makes more sense. Right. Patsy, the same thing. Patsy embodied my loneliness, mm-hmm. um, having to move to a place where, yes, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's sold to you as, as, a, as a, a rainbow, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, when you get there, it's not. That's it's the most just beautiful as part, as I think, about, about Patsy is how much it demystifies right. that the American dream. Exactly. As, oh, as such a complicated right. nightmare for most people. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so. and, and that's really what, what my heart was saying at the yeah. time and that's really where that was going in terms of how I was able to use the, that that raw emotion and put it in a character right then you have um the conscience which was um Ras Norbert saying there's gold buried in our backyard and that's literally a rep- repetition throughout the novel because it's true like coming back here to like again this music conference and interacting with so many artists like yourself mm-hmm. or, or um, academics we have so much gold in our backyard, but yeah. because we can't uproot it, because we have no access to it, we leave. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's something that, for me, as an artist, that kind of talking to the people in charge, whoever they are, like, come on, like, you can, you can hold these people from leaving by giving us access to that right. gold. Creating spaces, right? Yeah. And maybe claiming that access that right. may never be given otherwise. Right, right, exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a yeah. lot of, of change taking place in Jamaica, but I think mm-hmm. we do need to, to you know, create spaces for others, yes. as you know, in terms of what you were talking about and helping right. other writers to, to achieve their dreams. But yes. we really need to create those spaces the sooner the better. Right. So we'll keep losing people as we've been doing, exactly. you know, since the 70s, right? Right. Where people were just leaving for better opportunities and yeah. continue. I read some statistic that, um, I'll just say more than 50% because I don't want to say the number that's much closer to 80%, but a great majority Mm -hmm. of university students in Jamaica are, it is understood that they are migrating within five years of graduation. So this is still something that is happening. Maybe they're not all migrating but they're all at least seeking to right Right. that's the understanding is that there aren't as many opportunities as they would want locally um so that they must leave but we must start changing that exactly because they might have friends that went to ue Mm -hmm. and they're coming out i have one friend who's working as a security guard Mm -hmm. you know at the airport and i feel like she studied english at ue actually Mm -hmm. and now she's working at the airport as insecurity something she never wanted to do but felt she had to do because like my my like how I was raised, she's raised with that mentality of having to sub, 
put plate, put, um, put on the plate. Put on the plate. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's something to the opportunities that we need more jobs right. Guess, right. for these youths. Right. And then I noticed that there is also this push now in Jamaica to make empower them to be entrepreneurs. Right. Which is a double-edged yeah. sword because we all know that most entrepreneurial adventures. Oh. Don't really work out. I know. Right? Not, every, not, not everyone's cut out for it. Right. I exactly. don't know that I could be my own boss. Right. Fully, you right. know, I don't know, but I know that I could be very close to the top. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so you have to know yourself first and decide, okay, right. am I that person or not? Would I wind up wasting that opportunity? Right. You know, but we do need to have these spaces more, yes. more opportunities. What yeah. was the other question I wanted to ask you? Um, do you want to own that house still mm. right so that house Ooh. in Beverly Hills like do you when you come back do you feel yes. something that says you know I need to put a flag like plant my own flag on some proper hill or some right. proper piece of land like do you want that oh my gosh that's a good question <laughs> Isis and I think I'll be lying to you and saying I don't want it because if somebody give it to me tomorrow I'm going to yes, be like yes, yes thank yes, you yes, yes, you know, yes. I'll take it right. immediately mm-hmm. um, but in terms of I would Jamaica's always called my spirit. Like, yeah. I'm always, I mean, I'm always here anyway. And I felt like um, my wife and I are thinking about owning property at some point. Okay. Maybe not on that hill, but yeah. maybe somewhere. Somewhere that feels right. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So when the time comes, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but what, I'm, what I now know is that I will continue coming here, put, like staying in those like, Airbnb yeah. or the hotel, whatever, wherever. And all, maybe Portmore, because no, we're welcome back now. Okay, okay, <laughs> right? good. Yeah. Thank goodness. Right, exactly. So, you know, we, we always have doors open. Yeah. And what I don't want to happen, though, is like, um, which I've been encountering a lot more in America, is that people would lose family members mm. in, the, in their homeland, be it mm. Jamaica, be it Nigeria, be it Trinidad. And they somehow their grief is their, their their process of grieving is just staying away. Okay. Right, and that's something I'm like, no, I feel like um, there's my roots are here, right. and I felt like I feel like I I want to have it, to co- to continue that communication, that right. connection to home. Yes, yes. Yeah. You talked about Jamaica pulling your spirit, so I'm mm-hmm. going to have to ask you now on the record. Are you a psychic or an Obia woman? Because oh, gosh. when 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 Patsy opens, right, it opens with yes. the, the reggae boys going off and you know doing World Cup things. Mm-hmm. But by the time the book, well, by the time the book is on shelves, right, right it's the reggae girls. Exactly, the reggae oh, girls are my. in the women's World Cup, and I'm like, yes, did Nicole Tennis Ben foresee exactly. this? I never so, foresee this. In fact, wow. when I was here, I was I would never even have thought they would be a, yes. a reggae girls. And the fact that they were doing so well when the book hit the bookshop right. that same it weekend. Was perfect. Yes. And I, I wrote that email to my editor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look what's going on. And I sent her all the New York Times articles yes. of the record girls. Yes. And she's like, wow. And then drop Patsy in there right Right. There. right. Very thought, maybe nice. true. Maybe true yes. spirit was the. the was right was, there calling exactly. it together. That right. was beautiful. Yeah. I said, this couldn't have been written any better exactly. to have this moment right here where it comes full circle. Yes. So thank In fact, you. one, um, a, a, a woman in, in New York City, she came to my reading. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm gonna pass your book off to the mo- one of the mothers of the reggae girls. I think she's okay, a goalkeeper okay. or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like that little. I, I don't know. The universe always aligns to Absolutely. make things happen. So mm-hmm. it does. I think it's the right time. It really does. Yeah. Can I just ask you about the the the, the attendance that you have when you do your book readings and mm-hmm. your yeah your book readings or your workshops, whatever yeah. you're having in the U.S. Who are your Who are your audiences? Mm. Okay. Um, so the oh gosh, the readings. Mm-hmm. Many people mm-hmm. from all walks of okay, life. Diverse yeah, men, women, diverse. white, black. Yeah, okay. men, women, Caribbean, white, black, non-Caribbean, Caribbean, non-Caribbean, okay. Asian, Indian. Mm-hmm. All of, everyone comes, okay. and Patsy especially because I, I think 
here comes the son who opened the door and I think my readers followed me from that from, from that book mm-hmm. and then somehow new readers are pulled in it's like who is this Nicole Dennis right. what is she about mm-hmm. so they'll come to my readings in the states right. and out of curiosity yeah mm-hmm. and I think uh, what I love is that yes I'm writing the stories through the lens of a Caribbean woman through a Jamaican working class woman mm-hmm. but I'm tapping into so many um, human experiences I'm talk- tapping into love loss yeah. immigration motherhood gender all of these things and people are coming from it from coming to it from different angles of mm-hmm. what they're able to see mm-hmm. people would say oh my gosh I was that girl who was that, or that child who was abandoned yeah. people are coming saying I was that mother who felt like I couldn't mother mm-hmm. and nobody was there around me to tell me it was okay like so people are coming from different parts mm-hmm. saying well thank you for writing this mm-hmm. book mm-hmm. yeah well thank you yes I'm going to yeah. just say too thank you for writing all the works that you've written yes. and it's important to understand and for the world to understand that a writer from Jamaica is not only writing for Jamaica right but for humanity right, right. there's this universal quality and that's what I my students too you yeah. ask about my workshops and for my workshops I, I, I empower people with a pen you know tell your story um, characters if you're going to write a character and somebody who I mean, you, you, we write what we know first, mm-hmm. but then you actually have to put the, our characters who exist in a vacuum. So if you're coming from a different angle, a different culture, or your characters from a different place, like um, ethnicity, write, write that person as authentic as possible. Mm-hmm. And so that's why for me it's important that characterization is very is the, mm-hmm. the first thing you talk about in a workshop mm-hmm. because when people can come, come not only to the page itself but to that individual, that human being on the page, right. that's when and they're going to be able to transcend their own understanding mm-hmm. of the world. And empathize with somebody else who might be different from them absolutely yeah and absolutely. so yeah so it might not be memoir time yet for you right but <laughs> no not what yet what do you think the world the listener anyone mm-hmm. that might pick up you, you you know a piece of paper written about mm-hmm. you by you sometime mm-hmm. in the future what would you want them to know about you for posterity what would you want future generations to know Ooh, about me mm-hmm. that's a good question and, and, and Isis and if, and oh my goodness frame it or phrase it as an I statement, mm. as opposed to I want them to know this, but I what? I was not always Nicole Dennis Ben. I like that it. would be the first sentence I like probably. It. I like it. That might be the only sentence. <laughs> yes, that's enough. Yes, you know. I like it. There is one correction that I need to make to the record, and that is that the pre-writing workshops have been postponed until September. Are you following me on Instagram at rhythm.writer? And are you following me on Twitter at Isis Samaj Hall? Perfect. See you there.